Made in the, the hiatus USA. is over. The Terry Wilkerson Show is back. This is season four, episode one. We are back from our four-month-long hiatus, near four months. Uh, and I know for those of you out there who have depended on this show for your daily bread, this is probably the best uh, holiday gift you could possibly get. Well, I know it's pretty cool for me because we're back after, like I said, this four-month-long hiatus. And it's been an interesting few months. We're going to get to... Pretty much everything that uh, has been going on that um, I, I find even worthy of talking about. We're going to get to that very soon. Just wanted to hope, uh, say, hope everybody out there had a happy holidays, you know, a happy Thanksgiving, a Merry Christmas, and of course, a fantastic New Year. And uh, of course, what what a way to start out the new year. December 30th, we get the news that Betty White passed away at the age of 99. You want to talk about somebody who we all thought would live forever. It was certainly Betty White approaching her 100th birthday. So if that's how 2022, well, 2022 doesn't get to start that way. 2021 ends that way. So uh, 2021 can obviously go fuck itself. But we're going to get into um, a lot of what's been going on. And we're going to talk about what's going on moving on forward this week on the Terry Wilkerson Show. Good moment, America. How the hell has everybody been? Hopefully you've been doing as good as you possibly can. Uh, I know <laughs> I know I've been doing pretty damn well lately, and I'm going to get into that in just a few moments here. But um, yeah, we, we went on hiatus here back in uh, mid-October, and there was a lot of reasons for, honestly, there was a lot of reasons for the hiatus, production reasons, you know, because we are still doing this show. I keep saying we, me. I'm still doing this show on my own laptop using my own studio setup. And it's, um, it's been a unique ride to get to four seasons and we're at, uh, 70 episodes. And, you know, you guys all know that I I keep kind of messing around with the format of this show because I've never really been able to pin down how I wanted to present this. Well, here we are now and, there's not uh, there's not a whole lot I haven't tried, and it, it took me a while to realize that uh, no matter which format I tried, the the ranting format of either the Inter malfunction or the Tarrant versions of this show, or the news update or the sports update, no matter what version I tried, at the end, pretty much it's all just this is my show to just talk about whatever the hell I want. And it took a few months to kind of um, deal with some things. You know, a lot going on out there. (sighs) My life and in the world and, you know, um, this COVID-1984 epidemic, quote unquote, that we are clearly coming to the end of. Um, You know, and this COVID epidemic, quote unquote, began, um, I know I was talking on the earlier incarnations of my show about how I thought this was an absolute load of horse shit, how it was a made up disease. And quite frankly, I've seen no evidence to the contrary. The, from the very beginning, this has been nothing more than a government ploy to take over everything, to take our freedoms, to take our voting rights away, to take all of our constitutional rights among them being, you know, the right to interstate travel, which 
people are just ignoring that left and right as a constitutional right, but it's, it's a very important one. We have the right by the Constitution to travel in between the states, and there is no... Uh, there's no way outside of secession that a state can prevent other citizens of other states from entering their borders. But yet our federal government and many state governments, including the government of the state I live in, Pennsylvania, have seen fit to use this quote-unquote epidemic as that excuse to take away your right to freely travel in between states. And um, if you heard that, no, I have not quit the dip. I uh, <laughs> It's one of the many things that you're never going to hear me go, my New Year's resolution is to quit doing that. No, 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 no. My New Year's resolution is to make it till next year. That's <laughs> And so far, I've been living that one up every single year. So, uh, yep, the old mud jug is still sitting here on the desk if you guys were missing it. At any rate, we're talking about the interstate travel, which we're basically being told constantly, you know, you don't have the right to. If you're not vaccinated, you don't. You don't have the right to come to this state. Well, the Constitution says otherwise. You know, the right to interstate travel says otherwise. In three separate sections, might I add. Among them, you know, the the right to travel from one state to another. That's the absolute most fundamental one, and it is in the Constitution, despite what some in the left wing media are trying to say. This one, from the very beginning should have been the one that was the basis for every single argument against every single shutdown. The right to travel. Now, the other one that came up the other day in a conversation with a co-worker, this so-called right to work that people have, and obviously if you say right to work in a state like Pennsylvania or New Jersey, you're going to get booed out of the building because to them right to work is a dirty, dirty phrase. What an evil thing to say. But you Apparently, you have the right to earn an income, even if it's on the government dole. So, you know, the right to have a job, which is another one we should be fighting for, has been taken away from us from the very beginning of the pandemic. The right to a job, the right to work, the right to make money, the right to put food on your table, the right to keep your family alive was stolen from you. First, let's be honest, by Donald J. Trump. Now, I am a Donald Trump supporter, obviously, but I'm not an apologist. Under any circumstance, Donald Trump did some fucked up shit in the early days of the pandemic, lying about the amount of bodies that he personally witnessed being hauled out of a hospital in Queens. I'd like to know how the president of the United States, living in the White House in Washington, D.C., looked out his window at a hospital in Queens and saw semi-trucks 18-wheelers worth of bodies being hauled out. Come on. That one was bullshit from the beginning. He also was the one, let's never forget, and I will not let people forget this, Donald Trump was the one who came up with the 15 days to slow the spread. And we are now pushing two years to slow the spread with no no, um, government-allowed relief in sight. There's going to be a time coming very soon where our federal government is going to have no choice but to let go because there is a midterm election coming up. We have a president with the absolute worst approval ratings in American history, even worse than Trump, even worse than Carter. You know, 
uh, I, I get so excited when I hear that because maybe at some point there'll be an investigation into, wait, if this guy is so fucking unpopular, how did he become president? The answer to that is he didn't. But that that's neither here nor there. So in, in, I think what I was trying to get to in all of this is in the time that we were away, in the hiatus that we had, we had the mask mandate that was thrown out there for federal employees and for all companies with more than 99 employees, 100 employees and more. You know, you had to have more than 99, which last I checked, more than 99 was 100. So uh, the, the specificity is a little odd. The mask mandates that were returning all over the place. We have had, of course, the Omicron variant, which took the place of both the new and the G variant or the Xi variant. Why? Well, if you're not familiar with this one, you're going to love this. They did not want to use the new designation, which is the next letter in the Greek alphabet after the Delta variant. They didn't want to use new because they thought, quote, people wouldn't understand that it meant N-U and not N-E-W. That's right. They actually thought we were that stupid. The next letter would have been Xi or Z or G. And they literally, the, the, the health officials literally said, we cannot name it the Z, G, Xi, whatever variant, because then it would connect it to President Xi Jinping. Dear fucking God, the not only the level of stupidity that they project upon us, but the level of stupidity with which they operate is absolutely mind boggling. Let's see what else do we have going on in the world since we last spoke. Um, the uh, Ghislaine Maxwell trial ended, of course, and she was found guilty on, I believe it was uh, six charges. I believe that's all the charges. Um, duh. I, I, I that's one of those trials where literally the 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 whole prosecution should have been um duh and the whole defense if the defense attorney had any morals to him would have been mm, yeah okay yeah you got us so she was found guilty who knows what the hell she's going to serve um we also had Kyle Rittenhouse who was found not guilty on all charges and then he turned around and pissed in the face of everybody who supported him by claiming that he is, in fact, a Black Lives Matter supporter. No matter what you may think about the politics or the social leanings of the Terry Wilkerson show, the one thing I'm going to do at all times, and you know it, is I'm going to tell you the truth. The whole dirty truth, no matter what you may think, I'm going to tell you the truth. And the truth is, Kyle Rittenhouse just pissed in the face of everybody who supported him. And as far as I'm concerned, the kid can go fuck himself. He can go pound sand. To, for me to stand there and support him and, and, and talk about his case being a Second Amendment uh, bellwether, and then to turn around and go, oh, by the way, I support the enemy of everything that is freedom. Fuck you, kid. Uh, you know what? I, people keep telling me, well, that's not exactly what he meant. Well, that's what he said. So, I mean, obviously, I'm never going to have Kyle Rittenhouse coming to me and explaining his side of it, and I don't really give a shit, but I'm going to tell you my opinion, and you say some shit like that, and you you go fuck yourself, period. End of story. Of course, as we talked about at the, the top of the show, Betty White passed away on December 30th, and it's kind of odd because she... Um, had done an interview not that long ago where she said the key to 
living a long life was never eating anything green. And as somebody who loves like broccoli and spinach and things like that, you couldn't tell by looking at me. But as somebody who does love it, I found it hilarious. And uh, I'm pretty sure that Miss Betty White engaged in more than a little bit of consumption of green over the years, uh, if you smell what the Wilk is cooking. And the funny thing about the whole Betty White scenario is today, as a matter of fact, I was out grocery shopping at a giant near me. If, if you're not familiar with Giant, you're lucky. It's not the best grocery store in the world. And there was a uh, magazine, a tribute magazine to Betty White on the rack at the checkout counter, Betty White at 100. And I have to admit that part of me kind of snickered and then there was a part of me that kind of just shook my head because the presumption and, you know, who knows? Maybe that's going to be a collectible. Maybe people will just start snatching it up and uh, they'll just put out a new issue. You know, Betty White at 99. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know a whole lot. You, you, know what I, you know what else I don't know? What I cannot figure out is how the supply chain issues that we've been dealing with for the past few months um, are just kind of being pushed off to the side. Anybody else notice that? Anybody see that nobody seems to be talking about the supply chain anymore? All of a sudden, you know, just because Christmas came and went and everybody got their LOL dolls and their, their fucking PS5s and whatnot, that all of a sudden, no, oh, I guess there's no supply chain issue. Well, guess what? Yeah, I, I go to our local Wawa. Again, if you live in an area of the country that doesn't have a Wawa, you are lucky because they suck. Uh, we're kind of stuck just using them here because that's what we have. So, you know, you go into Wawa and half the time you can't even find a Pepsi. You can't find a Pepsi. Let, let that one sink in. You, you, all I wanted was a Pepsi. And they didn't have it. Is that sour grapes? Am I a little, you know, red-assed about it? Yeah. Because you would think a multi-billion dollar company would get their shit together. But that seems to be the thing. Multi-billion dollar companies don't have to get their shit together. But the supply chain issue that is a problem at the federal level just kind of gets pushed off to the side and ignored. And our you know, Secretary Pete Buttigieg, uh, his name used to be fun to say, but now it's just like Buttigieg. Uh, it's Buttigieg again. Of course, you know, he had that uh, two months off for a paternity leave. Why in the hell he needed two months off for paternity leave after he and his husband adopted a baby? I don't understand. I mean, I'm a father. I didn't really have a paternity leave. I mean, I was out of work when my son was born, but believe me, there was no option for a paternity leave. But Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg, whatever, he gets it. He gets his paternity leave. And in the meantime, the entire commerce system just takes a giant shit. What in the hell? And then he comes back out. No, basically, it's not my fault. Well, what the fuck are you supposed to be doing? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not even getting into it. I, I'm trying to start, trying to start 22 out on a light note. And of course, what do we do? We launch right into everything that's going on politically that, uh, that sucks ass. Well, um, <laughs> anyway, let me tell you a little bit about what else has been going on. This is about me personally. Uh, after th almost 30 years, almost three decades I am mere days away now from retiring from the restaurant industry. Obviously, I'm not retiring in the traditional sense. I don't have 
a pension or a 401k, or for that matter, I don't really have two dimes to rub together, but uh, I'm leaving the restaurant business after, yeah, about 30 years. And uh, I'm moving into an office setting. That's all I will say. I basically will spend my day on a computer and I will spend you know my nights on my other computer, my computer at home, working on episodes of the podcast and, of course, the other two podcasts that are still in the works that just everything gets in the way. Uh, the website, of course, I'll be working on at night. but So I, I actually get to spend my time in an office now, uh, an air-conditioned, heated office where I don't have to wait for the lunch rush to end to go to the bathroom. I, I don't think I can overstate how big a thing that is to me. And now it's almost surreal that after 30 years, I'll be out. And I'm looking forward to it in in ways you can't imagine. I had a lot of good times working at a restaurant. Not going to lie. Made a lot of very good friends, but I also made a lot of stupid mistakes. And this industry, if you're in this industry right now, you already understand that it takes a toll on you. It's a killer physically, emotionally, mentally. It's a killer on your family. It's a killer on your self-esteem. It's a killer on your bank account. It, it just wears you down to a nub. And it's not like I could... I never really had any other skill set. It's what I did. And fortunately, I have stumbled into something that I had a skill set for, and here I am going into it, and I'm looking forward to it. Am I going to miss the restaurant business? If I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, no. No, I'm I'm not really. I'm not going to sit here and trash it. And I'm not, anything I say about what it does to you mentally and physically, it's not something that everybody doesn't already know. The restaurant industry is a killer. And if you have ever been in a restaurant, you already know this. And now I'm going into this office setting. It is going to take a while to become accustomed to it. But I am working with some people who are very important to me. One person in particular. (laughs) But I have a, a new hope. I have a future and to find myself after all these years of coming home, smelling like steak and grease, knowing that my days will now be mostly emails and printouts. It's exciting. And it's also, I guess the best way to put it is it's also, It's not frightening, not scary, but it's different. And I'm not one who's who's used to different. I don't go very well into new things. I have a tendency to kind of stutter step. But there were small issues involved with getting into this job that were things I never thought I'd do. That I'm I'm doing without blinking. I mean, I, you guys know I have a crippling fear of heights, and this particular office is 
not on the ground floor. Let's just put it that way. But I find myself every day that I'm going into this office, I've been doing it part-time. I find myself every day just getting on the elevator, going up to the 14th floor and doing my job. And it's all, it's new. And I hope it keeps that, uh, that new car smell for lack of a better way of putting it. I, I hope I, I hope I enjoy it in a year as much as I do now, because it's a completely different world. Something I've always wanted to do. And here I am. The best part for me is that it gives me an opportunity to focus more on, on doing the show, on doing the website. It gives me an opportunity to do more of the Terry Wilkerson thing. You know, I, I obviously have a lot of opinions about things. And as I've discussed on this show, I, I've never been able to truly find a podcast that espouses the views that I hold. And obviously, you're never going to find anybody who agrees with you 100%. So the only person I can count on to listen to that's going to agree with me 100% is me. So I think this is more of an opportunity now to step up my game on this show, to be able to present more on this show, and to be able to just get my voice out there because there needs to be somebody out there that has uh, that has the balls to, to speak the truth, whether people like it or, or not. The one thing I really want to talk about here is... There's a lockout going on right now in Major League Baseball. The owners... Okay. The MLBPA, the Players Association, had not signed a new contract with Major League Baseball by the end of the season, which congratulations to the Atlanta Braves on winning the World Series. You know, (laughs) ABH, anybody but Houston. And the contract was not signed, so the owners implemented a lockout, which basically means the players have to come to the table and they have to come up with an agreement. Do I see there being an agreement before spring training? God damn, I hope so. Because I I don't think I can survive without baseball. Baseball gets on my nerves a lot, especially when it gets very political. But I still need baseball in my life. Thank God right now we have hockey. I mean, if it weren't for being able to watch pretty much every single Rangers game, thanks to my sister Tabby, then I'd probably go absolutely insane. Hockey is filling a void for me right now, but it's not going to be able to fill the void if baseball doesn't come back. And you're constantly hearing all of this garbage about the greed of the owners. Well, here's the thing from my perspective, okay? From where I sit. And I sit in the bleachers. I sit in the cheap seats. You have a Major League Baseball owner. Let's just use somebody at random and say, I don't know, Hal Steinbrenner. The guy may be, quote-unquote, worth $30 billion, but he doesn't have $30 billion. This is not about the greed of the owners. The owners are responsible to the stakeholders of the team, which could be the co-owners, it could be the employees of the team, it could be the fans, it could be the concession stand workers. There's a lot of people who these owners are responsible to when they go out and they sign these contracts to give somebody who might not hit above 230 
a $25 million a year contract is irresponsible. I don't give a shit if they're going to hit 50 home runs. If they're going to hit under 230, they're going to strike out 200 times and make 25 errors in the field. That's not a $25 million a year ball player. But the MLBPA wants all these contracts to be front-loaded. They want all of these young players coming up. They want the uh, the Fernando Tatis Juniors. They want the uh, the Kevin Biggios and the Vladdy Guerrero Juniors. And, and they want all these young up-and-coming players, the Aaron Judges and whatnot, to get these front-loaded contracts to make $25, $30 million in their first 5, 6, 7, 10 years. That's not... That's not tenable. That's not something that can be done. And I'll tell you why. You, let's say you own a business, uh, you collect garbage, okay? Let's say you're a garbage truck company and you hire Johnny off the street and he's never had a job in his life. Well, you know, he's taken the garbage out to the curb for his parents, but you're hiring him as a garbage man. Are you going to hire him starting off at $35, $40 an hour with no experience and then just hope that he's good enough to live up to it? No. McDonald's isn't going to do that with a burger flipper. They're not going to hire some guy at 25, 30. Well, actually, these days that might be true. But generally speaking, they're not going to hire somebody at 25, $30 an hour to flip burgers and put fucking fries in a box, hoping that, ah, you know, they'll eventually they'll put in enough production to be worth it. And what the Players Association is trying to do is they are trying to open up the door to a system where the players are in complete control. And baseball has to be a balance. All sports, all businesses for that matter, have to be a balance in between labor and management. And when it comes to Major League Baseball and these contracts... They don't want that balance. They want full control. They want profit sharing. You already have profit sharing. It's called your $25 million a year contract. What in the hell? Why is it that difficult for people to understand that an owner of a business can pay what he feels a person is worth to that person to work for them? And if they don't like it, they are free to go to another employer. Now, in the pre- free agency area before arbitration, before Kirk Flood, obviously you were owned by a ball club. And I, I really don't see any problem in that in the long run. I mean, you if you didn't want to play for the team, you just had to sit out a season and then you could sign with somebody else. It's not a whole lot different than, you know, if I don't want to work for my employer anymore, I can quit and sit out until somebody else hires me. It's the same damn thing. But these ball players and I respect the hell out of Major League Baseball players. Obviously, it's my favorite sport. It's my favorite pastime. It's my passion. I respect the hell out of them. But, guys, you're not, you're not saving lives. You're hitting baseballs. You know, I would love to see you out on the field. John Q, baseball player. I want to see you out there. I want to watch. I want to watch that that Angels Mariners game at ten o'clock on a Tuesday night as I'm falling asleep. I want to see that. I I want to see that kid who's coming up from Double A simply because you know the Mariners don't have a second baseman right now, and right now they don't have a uh, they don't have a very solid infield. Losing Kyle Seager. Happy trails to Kyle Seager, by the way. I want to see that. But you're not going to sit here and tell me that that kid from Double A should come up and be paid a million dollars a year when he hasn't proven it yet. I have to prove myself at my job. So do these guys. And 
the era right now that we're in of these advanced sabermetric stats, not even sabermetrics, man. Sabermetrics are cool. Sabermetrics, when Bill James came up with them, I owned every copy of the Bill James abstract I could get my hands on. Bill James was a brilliant man, is a brilliant man. But we've gone crazy. We've gone into the stat cast era. You know, the, the stat you hear all the time now is like uh, D-War and, and, well, War to begin with. Wins above replacement, D-War, defensive wins above replacement, uh, WRC+, plus weighted runs created plus, which is a scale on uh, comparative scale to the number of runs a ball player creates as opposed to a similar player, which is, to me, a variation of War. They sound very similar to me. And this, of course, gives us this is how we're being told that Fernando Tatis Jr. is the future of the game. Okay, we'll see. Give give him 10 years, and then we'll see. But now we're being told, like I said, that, you know, these players should be given, should be afforded everything up front. Well, no. No, they should not. You know, they should work for it. I... I love baseball. I wish it was something I could do for a living. Obviously, never going to be able to do anything for a living that is even remotely connected to the game of baseball other than, you know, this podcast or, or my website. You know, I, I write and talk about baseball all the time. But I'm never going to get that opportunity. But these guys are. But do I think that a player should come up from the minor leagues and be paid $10 million Anytime in his first five years in the majors, absolutely not. You need to earn it. You need to show that that's who you are. I always point back to Joe DiMaggio, who, when he won the MVP award in 1941 and went to sign his contract for 1942, he took a pay cut. He asked for a pay cut because he didn't feel that he played up to his standard as a ball player. Why is it Joe DiMaggio, one of the greatest players, and in my mind, the greatest player in the history of the game, why is it Joe DiMaggio realized that, but you can't get you know, Bryce Harper to realize that? It's because we live in a different time. It's because we're in an era of just uh, entitlement mentality all around, not just in sports, but in everything we have in this society. Everything is an entitlement mentality. And I'm fucking sick and tired of it. And it's it's bad enough when I have to look around and see normal people, you know, John Q. Public, Everyday Joe, with his entitlement mentality. But now to have to deal with it, with the sport that basically takes up the part of my heart that isn't occupied by my son or my lovely fiance, then I start taking it personally and, you know, Major League Baseball Players Association, they need to get their shit together because the owners put in the effort. The owners definitely put in the effort. The owners take the responsibility. They take the risk. The players go out there and they basically play a game made for kids that they get paid for and they get paid well to do it. And that's another thing, quite honestly. There's a lot of people in the league right now that play because they're good at it because they... um, they they found that they have a talent for it. They didn't necessarily grow up fans of the game. Well, if you don't love the game and you can't put the game ahead of yourself, then, and yes, this is coming from Mr. You know, individualist, yes. Because when you turn around and you're playing a game of baseball, the game is there whether you are or not. 
You're not creating the game. You're not enhancing the game. You're not changing the game completely because of your talent. You exist within the confines of the game of baseball. And the game will always be bigger than the player. The game will always be bigger than the owner. The game will always be bigger than everybody except for one group. And that one group is the fans. And the MLBPA needs to realize that. Another group, by the way, that needs to uh, realize that things are bigger than they are. Jesus Christ. Um, man, uh, professional wrestling's taken a massive shit over the past couple of months. Of course, we lost Ring of Honor. Uh, it's final pay-per-view, final battle, which saw Jonathan Gresham finally win the Ring of Honor title. I, I'm a huge Ring of Honor, Mark, and I'm hurt that Ring of Honor is gone. It, it bothers me. As a wrestling fan, it bothers me as a person who liked Ring of Honor for what it was, which was the evolution of the sport. You know, Ring of Honor came around in 2002. They changed the game. They gave us names like Brian Danielson and Nigel McGuinness and Samoa Joe and Colby Lopez, Tyler Black, Seth Rollins, whatever the fuck you want to call them today. You know, they gave us the Briscoe brothers, probably the best damn tag team of the last 20 years. You know, obviously you got guys like FTR, Gorillas of Destiny that are up there, the Usos. But man, the the Briscoes are a professional wrestling tag team in the strictest, most perfect sense of the word. And they're a pure Ring of Honor product. Jay Lethal, another great Ring of Honor product. AJ Styles, another great Ring of Honor product. So we lost Ring of Honor. And, of course, everybody was released from their contracts. They've moved on to other companies. Matt Taven wants to go to WWE. Um, damn. Ouch. You know, your buddy, Mike Bennett, did you not see what they did with him? But the organization right now that is causing the most uh, havoc on a social level, we're taking it back to when I was talking about the entitlement mentality, Ring of Honor is, is gone. So, obviously, the next one to focus on, AEW. Now... Big Swole asked for her release from her contract from AEW because of her claim that minorities were not being represented properly in AEW. I don't know if Swole is aware of this, but Nyla Rose is trans. Uh, it's a minority, and she was the AEW women's champion. Riho is Japanese, which is part of the Asian Pacific um, uh, Indigenous Peoples of Color uh, black Indigenous Peoples of Color, I believe that's what it is. She's part of that. Uh, that's a minority. You know, the number one star for quite a while now in the company, Britt Baker, she's a woman. That's a minority. You know, minorities are being represented fantastically. Look at Team Taz. It's an entire team of minorities with uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, Taz himself, Hook. Um, uh, not Sammy Guevara, although he himself, he's Latino, so there's a minority. Uh I cannot believe I'm forgetting this kid's name. He was uh, Ricky Starks, Ricky Starks, who came from the NWA. Thank you very much. Uh, talking to my own mind there. Ricky Starks is Spanish. You know, and Tony Khan himself, who, by the way, minority, uh, he responded on Twitter that you look at the look at the board of directors, look at the backstage, the booking, uh, the bookers, look at the. Uh, Entire personnel, that's what I'm looking for. Look at the personnel of AEW. He argues that minorities are being pretty well represented. And 
Tony Khan, quite frankly, is the most woke pro wrestling owner I've ever seen in my life. So what is Swole talking about? What the hell is she talking about? Yes, they're being represented greatly. You know, it, it, it's almost to me like if uh, Shingo Takagi were to turn around after Wrestle Kingdom, just three days away, by the way, Shingo Takagi, Kazuchika Okada, I am so looking forward to this match. You have no idea. But a uh, quick sip of water here for those of you who I don't have a water button. I don't have a cough button. Sorry. But that would be like Shingo, Shingo Takagi turning around and saying that, you know, the gaijin aren't being well represented enough in New Japan. Uh, that's just ridiculous, you know, especially in that scenario, because, oh, well, gaijin haven't been historically represented in New Japan. Really? Because last I checked, Jay White, Kenny Omega, um, Chris Jericho, John Moxley, they're all gaijin. Brock Lesnar, Hulk Hogan, Vader, gaijin, which if you're not familiar with the term out there, by the way, gaijin is a, a Japanese term for basically anybody not from Japan. So Swole leaves saying that she doesn't think AEW is properly representing minorities. AEW is properly representing minorities. There's a case to be made that they're over-representing them. But I don't want to sit here and sound like sour grapes because the last fucking thing in the world I want is anybody to accuse me of being racist. I am not racist. I when people indicate that I have racist tendencies, they're just morons and anyone who knows me already knows the truth. I'm not here to defend it because I don't care enough to defend it. But at the same time, don't give me that shit because whether or not, like I said earlier, whether you like the side I come down on on any issue, I'm going to give it to you straight. I'm going to tell you the fucking truth. And the truth here is that Big Swole is full of shit. She didn't get the push that she thought she deserved. And by the way, the push she deserved was less than what she got. She complains. She leaves. She wants out of AEW. Tony Khan has to stand up and defend his company. Why? Well, because that's what Tony Khan does. Tony Khan's a He's a good guy. He's that type of guy that's going to defend his people. He's going to defend his company because he knows damn well, well, let's be honest, he knows damn well that he can't afford not to. He can't afford not to defend his company because if he allows that idea of, oh shit, you know, well, AEW is not representative of minorities, AEW isn't woke enough, then they're going to lose a substantial amount of their fan base because AEW is, let's face it, a woke wrestling company. I try to ignore that. I try to just let AEW do their thing and enjoy it when I can. And quite frankly, you know, let's get Kenny Omega back out there. But at the same time, I, I don't like everything they do. But when a company is obviously going out of its way to represent minorities the way AEW is and the way Tony Khan is, then when somebody like Big Swole comes along, you can just tell that it's just a grab for attention. And... I'm sorry, I wasn't a fan of Swole to begin with. And this just kind of... The, you know she's probably heading to WWE. She's using this as a reason to go to what she views as the biggest pond where she's going to be, quite frankly, a tiny little fish. All right, we are actually coming to the end of the first episode of the new year, the first episode of season four. Thanks, of, of course, Thanks, as always, for everybody who listens and comes to the website. And yeah, I 
feel like, especially right now with uh, social media being the shit show that it is, that uh, it's time to remind everybody that TerryWilkerson.com does have its own old school, old style message boards. And you can find that at TerryWilkerson.com. You can find the link right on the, the menu to go to the old school message boards. You know, we, uh, we like to keep things, <laughs> we like to keep things old school. I keep using the word old school because, hey, old school, love it. Uh, terrible movie. I, that's a joke. I've never even actually seen it, but don't want you guys to forget that there is a message board on there that, uh, you can find me, Terry Wilkerson. You can find me on Twitter at, uh, TL underscore Wilkerson. You can of course find me on rumble. I'm on parlor. I'm on getter gab, uh, slug. I'm on all of the alternate social media. And of course we do have, uh, an odyssey page. <coughs> Excuse me. Had a little cold there for a couple of days just a cold let me make that clear so you know thank you guys for uh for tuning in and you know uh <laughs> for sticking around and waiting for the hiatus to end here so welcome back to the terry wilkerson show and if this is your first time listening thank you for listening for the first time we will be back next time with more of the terry wilkerson show which is a product of 1975 Podcast Productions, a division of 1028 Media. Go to www.terrywilkerson.com. The Terry Wilkerson Show is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, and wherever you download your fine podcast content. Please like, share, subscribe. If you're capable of doing it on one of these platforms, give us a five-star ratings. It helps us kick those big tech algorithms right in the cojones. And until next time, have a great made in the USA.